Matt Ryan here, and folks, the countdown is on. If you want to be my boss, if you want to own a piece of the A7FL, the time is now. We are counting down until November 7th. That is right, November 7th, the day before Election Day, is the last day of our Start Engine campaign. So we want you to sign up right now. Go to startengine.com slash A7FL and sign up. Once again, that's startengine.com slash A7FL. It is time once again for the A7FL 3-on-1 podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, for some reason, Matt Ryan, the voice of the A7FL. And every week here on the 3-on-1 podcast, we bring you the biggest conversations and the biggest personalities in the American Sevens Football League. And joining me this week, Rob Fabian is off for this episode. But guess what, guys? We're giving you two episodes this week. That's right, two episodes. This one's going to drop on Monday, and the next episode will drop on Thursday. That's we're missing the Wednesday drop. It's my fault. I've got met tickets. So I'm giving you two episodes this week because I love you. And the voice you hear in the background laughing and my jackassery is our guest this week. But I got to introduce first. He's my quarterback. He is number four in someone's back pocket and number one in my heart. He is a father of 5,622 human beings. Five of them I think he recognizes. It is your favorite quarterback in mind, the Silver Fox, Corey Hammond. Corey, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Matt. Glad to be here. And twi- twice this week we'll, we'll be fine because we know how rarely the Mets are worth watching. How dare so you? Six and a half games you- up. Six and a half games up. How dare you? The Mets are up no, six and a half games. They are absolutely fantastic this year. They are the Amazons this year, unlike nine out of ten years in their history. I will take those years. But you know what? Someone who had a Cinderella story of their own this season in their first season in the A7FL, their division made it all the way to the Elite Eight of the playoffs after some impressive showings taking the league, quote-unquote, by force, waka waka. This person is a football lifer. He is a football person, and he is the owner of the A7FL Nevada Division. Welcome to the 3-on-1 podcast, Derek Duncan. Derek, how are you, my man? And how, uh, thanks for joining us on the show, the first division owner to, to step up into the penalty box. You joined us before on uh, Twitter spaces, but this is the first time we have you face-to-face we actually have video for this episode. So, Derek, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm super happy to be here. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Corey. It's good to uh, be between the two of you yet again. Uh, <laughs> reminiscent of our broadcast we did for the uh, Elite Eight game, or I think it was the actually playing game, wasn't it? I believe At any it rate. Was, yeah, it was the yeah. playing game. Yeah, so you guys are the voice of the actual games that people watch. I am the voice of the Vegas games that are streaming on YouTube at, poorly. So <laughs> we, we've been working on that and making sure we get our get as robust as you guys and doing everything we can to make sure our production value is getting up there. We're almost there. And, well, I won't name names, but we we've seen some of the other, you know, uh, you know, we'll say throw in guys from around the league. And I'll say that you're a plus compared to a lot of uh, Drek F's out there. And but, also, you know, yeah, we're, I gotta, we're just happy to have you. And like I got to say. Man. Calling that quarter, that half of the, that basically half of a game with you 
before the first set of play-in games at the start of the playoffs, you know your shit, man. I'm not I'm not going to come out and say that you don't know what you're doing. Like, well, you, 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 know, you could talk football, and I had a lot of fun calling the games with you. Yeah, I, look, X's and O's are my thing. Uh, as I maybe said to you guys in that broadcast, my initial uh, desire to get into the A7FL was to be a team owner, not a division owner. So I put in, you know, I invested and uh, with my investment reached out to whoever was listening at the time. I don't even, I was probably Shinner, but uh, said, hey, if you do expand and you're going to offer teams out West, I want to own one because I want to coach and GM a team. It's, it's where my heart is. And uh, they responded back with, hey, you can get involved if you want to own a division and here's what's involved. And I went, holy crap. So my entire coaching squad, my entire coaching staff got split up to become what is our coaching staff for our three teams in Las Vegas right now. So Big Mac and Troy are coaching GM of the force. Troy was my uh, linebacker when I played ball and Mac was our defensive coordinator. Uh, Donnie Bunak was the head coach of the Insomniacs and, and he was the head coach of my team that. Uh, I played for it when I before I hung him up, and then uh, Coach Bartley, running backs, uh, r- former running back and running backs coach, was introduced to me by Donnie as one of the guys who was going to help us run our team before it became a three-team division. So that's kind of how we got there, and why I, I I can talk X's and O's because that's my background. That's that's what I'm here for. So let's let's dive into that. So. I want to know your football background, how you got to the point where you're owning a football division and you technically own three teams. Yeah. And what drew you to the A7FL first and foremost? And third, do you got a place to stay if I fly out there, call a couple games next year? 100%. (laughs) (laughs) If not with me, I've got like seven places I could put you up at. I've got a full house right now. My niece is staying with me. So it wouldn't be here, but I've got loads of friends who would love to have your sexy butt and stay with them. Too kind, too kind. But <laughs> let's get let's get into the story yeah. of, of where you – what was that – and we talked about this with Sarah Codrington on the podcast last week, and we all answered this – that aha moment where you fell in love with football and dedicated a significant – some would call it an uncomfortable amount of time obsessing over it. Uh, you know, it's funny. So I was a football player, basketball player, baseball player, high school, right? My, my game where I was recruited and was a, a high level recruit was baseball. I was what at the time would have been considered a four star back when I was 14, 15 years old before playing basketball. I hyperextended my left knee and my family didn't have the means to have surgery for me. So I had to rehab for the next three years. And when I got done rehabbing uh, the sport that that made the most sense for me still because I didn't have to have as much lateral movement was standing in the standing in the pocket and being a quarterback and dissecting defenses and offenses and sitting on the sideline as a backup watching, you know, watching my team and actually kind of becoming the quarterback's coach to show the quarterback that I was with the very first season, what I was seeing and how to do it. And then the coach kind of heard me having those conversations with him and said, Hey, why don't you give it a go? And then I was the starter for the next six, seven uh, seasons or years for uh, for those teams. Now, um, that was flagged. I guess I should have uh, precluded, uh, I guess, precluded to say that the, the, in a flag league. So I started out playing four-on-four flag, non, non-contact. We played two seasons of that, won the championship both seasons. And then we were practicing uh, at the field up the street from my house uh, for the next season. And there were some guys playing eight-on-eight flag next to us. They were playing full contact. And uh, my buddy... One of my best friends now, Chris Vera, was one of the guys that was playing for that team. He said, hey, why don't you guys come run with us so you can just get some work? And then once I felt the full contact, I said, man, this is way better than what I've been doing. I'm never playing four and four ever again. This is, I want to be 
I want to be here. This is the full contact flag is where I'm at. And then that grew into uh, four or five seasons playing full contact flag. And that grew into a season of semi-pro before I hung up the cleats 100% at age 37 and uh, decided to fully invest in nonprofits and get involved with the local Elks Lodge here in Las Vegas. Uh, after I got done with the local Elks Lodge here in Las Vegas and eating elk food, I was 296 pounds <laughs> and decided that I needed to get myself back into shape. And I knew that by uh, getting myself involved in sports again, that I would allow myself to do that. So I grabbed my kid brother who was just graduating high school and said, hey, let's go play together. By the way, uh, we need to get you geared up so you can try to walk onto UNLV. He and I got him and all his best friends to come together. and We put a team in to our local flag league, got them coached up, and he walked onto UNLV and played defensive end for them for the next three years. Wow. And now he's uh, the defensive coordinator at Bonanza High School, which is the shirt I'm rocking today. So oh, full circle, everything's come back. Uh, I did. I forgot to mention this. There was a stint in there after uh, the Elks and after getting the flag league going that I got reached out to by a team called the Las Vegas Lions, which was head coached by Donnie Bunak, who is the Insomniacs coach. He used to coach for the New Orleans Voodoo in the Arena Football League. And when I saw his pedigree, I was like, man, yeah, I, I'm interested in being a part of that. He says, come out and try to play quarterback for me. Name me the starter for his semi-pro football team at the, after not playing ball for five years. And then my shoulder gave out. I had the uh, same... Yeah. Uh, injury is Peyton Manning where the neck or the uh, separation of the shoulder where it went up into the neck and couldn't get the whip on the ball. So instead of throwing 70 yard darts from my knees, I had to do a crow hop to get it 45 yards. So I said, you know what? I'm done. No more quarterback. Well, that's, so that's how I played my, my entire career and still do <laughs> those 45 touch 45 yard touchdowns. Right, oh, that was so a touch pass. No, that was have, all my strength. Zero excuses. Now you don't have you, now forehead wise you're you're doing a much better job than uh Peyton Manning so I mean <laughs> well I got the hat on hang on speaking <laughs> speaking of foreheads um now we we love now like we're, we're <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm gonna lead into it Corey is all about this this receding hairline thing man <laughs> I, I I I will say this for hims I've been on the finasteride, and I just, I guess I, I was self-conscious about it myself, took, took action, and maybe instead of trolling people, I should just give them the, the, the remedy, but then I wouldn't be myself, um, you know, in, in such a much better standing than some of our competition that, to be fair, you know, uh, Pac-Man Jones is much faster, can juke much better than me, and probably for most would be considered, you know, maybe a better looking guy, regardless of the hairline. But anyway, um, what I was going to talk about is, you know, a lot of what we talked about last week with Sterry was his side, the BIC side of the viral three on one where Shanti Worthy took it in. And then everybody decided to, you know, completely, you know, anyone that has ever worn a BIC jersey, including myself, you can actually see me in the bottom, um, jumped into the end zone. Now, it would be interesting because obviously you are a driver of not only the, the X's and O's and the schematics and some of the technical uh, things that help, you know, not only the force, but the Insomniacs, the other Vegas teams excel out there in Vegas. But I will also say that as far as I, I can tell, it seems like you're pretty savvy as far as the marketing and getting eyes and ears on not only our league in general, but your guys' division specifically. So leading up to that week, I mean, we talked to you, um, you know, on the uh, 
on the Twitter spaces. We talked to some of the force players in the Twitter spaces. It was definitely a lot of hype and a lot of energy behind that game. Um, do you, if you do know, because I know I've talked to Coach Max separately, um, the coach of the force, but do you know what that moment is and may end up being, you know, maybe it's a catalyst for growth or, you know, extra, uh, you know, extra wind sprints in the offseason. We, we talked about last week what, it, what that moment meant for the A7FL as a whole and specifically for BIC, the eventual A7FL champs. As far as you know, what does that moment mean for the Vegas force and the guys that had to deal with the, the brunt of it? Yeah, so uh, thank you for the setup, and let me just be clear. The, the setup from the last podcast coming into this one was talking about the Vegas versus New Jersey uh, rivalry, which yeah. the, I'm thrilled that New Jersey thinks we have a rivalry. I'll be honest. We in Vegas understand that we haven't risen to the level of the quality of on-field play that the upper echelon of New Jersey has. So for us to be considered a rival means that they saw something that we don't necessarily, that I personally haven't seen in ourselves. Let me just put it that way. I, my guys out in Vegas, they've got the utmost confidence. They know and feel that they can beat anybody. I am more of a realist and I saw the preparation from BIC versus the preparation from the force, or we'll say lack of preparation from the force for that game and understood that, they would have to play a perfect game and their raw talent would have to match person per person raw talent to have a chance in that game. And uh, I would say when it got time to step on the field and actually uh, go mano a mano, there wasn't a, it wasn't a level playing field, right. For, for multiple reasons. Uh, not that the, let's say the force were as prepared as they could be with a, with a week's rest, which I, I've complained about, uh, but, I won't go into that. We've got that straightened out for next season. The, the having to set up flights a week before a game, going from the West Coast to East and getting a 20 to 30 guys wrangled to play a game on a Sunday is it took it, almost an act of God to pull that together. And, and <laughs> to the point where we had guys that actually flew in and showed up the morning of, we had to run and go get them from the airport and bring them down because there wasn't enough flights on the Saturday flights to get them out there. And that's how, that's how tough it was, but I digress. I, I would like for it to be a rivalry. I definitely, uh, let's say supported the rivalry when it was against snow tribe. Cause I knew I could talk crap about snow tribe based on what I'd saw from their film. I was like, there's no well, no, way one, team... no one in our league had was aware of National Donut Day until you had brought it up to us oh. in, in a way that that felt so perfect for both our league and for Snow Tribe specifically. But oh, I'll man. it was, it, and honestly, I, I'd like to uh, call out my boy Tyshawn from Snow Tribe first because he was the one who. Actually, let me go back a little further. There's like six dudes from New Jersey who have been reaching out to Vegas all season long and giving us kudos, talking crap, but having that nice conversation between athletes and between staff and ownership, like to really get things going. Like Marcus Cole came out to Vegas and he and I chopped it up for like an hour at the hotel down the street from my house and like really got to know one another. And I didn't realize that, you know, he was on the field the same day as me when we were out there last time. We never got a chance to catch up. But there was guys that came out to Vegas for uh, the 
the draft and we're doing things up at Las Vegas ballpark and didn't connect. So, uh, you know, and because we didn't connect, we started talking a lot more on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it was and having really good conversations. But Ty was the one who called us out and said, man, snow tribe by 21. And my, res- <laughs> my response was, bro, your entire division called you a bye week for three weeks. You put up zero on three games. I cannot believe you're trying to say that you're going to beat us by 21. If anything, we'll beat you by 21. And, of course, you guys got me on the show, and I said by 18, and we won by 21. So that's how that all went down. But and, and I, I just know what they were going to say. As a neutral party in this, despite being the voice of the league, and working with Rob and Corey and getting to know basically a vast majority of the players in Jersey and Maryland, I am agnostic. I am neutral across the board because I have to be. It's my job. And you do a very good job at it, by the way. I must say, uh, listening to you on the broadcast. Much, much appreciated. It's uh, not. I don't. I apologize. No, Corey, you <laughs> suck. Corey, you suck at it. <laughs> but to. The the expectation was started earlier in the season when we saw the Covington heist and what happened to the Covington heist. So another team, this time traveling from three time zones away, despite having a season where you guys beat established teams, well, at least one established team in the Aces and the face of the league, um, I want to talk about that with you, by the way, because it okay. directly affected you. But the Santa Monica vibe, right? The face of the league. Yeah, yeah, the Santa yeah. Monica vibe. <laughs> let's, just, let's 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 just put a pin in it, but also remind us to talk about the 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 pants of the league, not just the face of the league, but yes. the pants of the league as well. We can't oh, forget yeah. forget we can't forget the CC Sabathia uh, bottoms there. <laughs> but baseball pants aside. When you see what happened to the heist and then you look at all the travel and then you look at the snow tribe being full of guys who have played in this league since the very beginning, going back to town beef. And for those who don't know what town beef is, that was basically the protozoa of the A7FL. A7FL, you know, founder and president Ryan DePaul started town beef and it grew eight now almost eight years ago and almost nine years ago now into the A7FL. And that's why I think a lot of people were fading on the force. I wanted to see what happened because the league, as someone who works for the league and needs the league to be successful and wants the league to be successful, a Vegas, Baltimore, Florida, New Jersey final four is the best option because right. it gives you all of the best team. You know, it gives you the entire geography of the league with limited exception. And to see Vegas show up, not just show up physically, but show up in their style of play. They played with a tenacity that they needed. They played with a ferocity that they needed. And I think walking into that BIC game, they just weren't ready for the level change. They weren't ready for the the water to rise above their heads. The deeper the water got, the more comfortable Sterry Codrington, Ashante Worthy, and the rest of that team got. The bow broke. The, the the family portrait happens, and then from there, everybody's on a flight home. How did you feel on the sideline when that play went down? What was the response from the sideline when that play went down? And when everybody touched down in Vegas, in the airport on Sunday night or Monday morning, what was the one message that everybody was carrying with them home knowing that 
what happened to them happened to them on national television. Uh, so let me start with uh, nobody from Las Vegas cared about the celebration that is the viral moment that all of us are trading on right now, right? That Las Vegas didn't care about that at all. That BIC has said that that is their celebration. Honestly, the celebration has been done by soccer players and football players across the country for years. One of three of our guys did it, not even knowing that BIC had done that celebration previously. I mean, the, the thought processes that went into, oh my God, they're copying us. It, it literally was manufactured, but it made for a really good story. So who am I to stop it at that time? I wanted as many eyes on that game as possible, as many people talking about it, going back and forth as possible. I did not care. But ultimately, the guys who did the celebration for the force originally had no clue BIC did that. So that's that's the start of that. But to answer your question about how did Vegas feel when we were getting ready to go home? We had a party in the airport. Like literally, our all of our flights got delayed by three or four hours trying to get home. Some guys didn't even get flights home. They didn't get home till Tuesday or Wednesday because of how horrible the flights were coming back. And again, my challenge with these uh, away games, the way they were structured and getting flights. But I digress. We had a party in the airport celebrating the fun we had for the season, the fun we had being in the area. But uh, so everyone felt really positive about it. Everyone felt like they knew what they needed to do to, to compete at a higher level next season is the overwhelming feeling that I got from the team. My personal opinion, they, they weren't ready and they won't be ready unless they get enough experience to be able to understand the game flow against New Jersey, against Maryland, these guys who have been in the league for eight, nine years. There's a lot of conversation we keep having about uh, coaching and the, the the evolution of the league. And the reason why we have coaching is because we have zero experience playing seven-on-seven seven tackle football at all. Like, this is the very first season that we've ever done it. The fact that we came out and were able to contend with a established team that was Fake Town and is now No Tribe and has some of these legacy guys on that squad and waxed them I felt we were in a really good position as far as being competitive. But then I saw what BIC looked like on TV. I saw what Patterson, you look like on TV. And I'm like, we don't stand a chance against either of those based on their experience, unless we buckle down, prepare, make sure we were well rested going into the game, do the right walkthroughs, put, install a good defense, install a good offense, watch enough film to understand how they're going to try to exploit us and have something as a counter punch waiting for them. We, there wasn't enough time in a week's time having to travel West coast and not being able to put people up for that to happen. So I, I knew in my heart, unless we just came out and had just the luckiest day ever that there wasn't going to be a very competitive game just because of that. And we, we really love that honesty because I think that a lot of people thought that going into the the force bic game i think that there was a lot more there was a lot more of a doubt going into the snow tribe game because it was really a relative unknown and then once you know once you put the 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 comparative you know opponent against the force against bic and the force did a very good job against Snow tribe in general but for three quarters it almost seemed like it might be a game in the end and it obviously wasn't but that same team, when they played BIC, it was 80 to nothing in the third quarter. So there was clearly there was clearly something separating the teams. And I think 
you know, the easy things to go into is, is if I think you, 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 you put the team's rosters right next to each other and you start with the first position and you say the kind of quarterback that Terry Codrington has proven to be versus um, the, the kind of quarterback that the force uh, were able to put out there. Obviously, there's a little bit of a, a drop off there, probably more at least at that position specifically in the experience because, you know, as the driver of the offenses in a, in a, in a new league, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into not only the, the play calls that you call, but even the design going in. But I think you mentioned this earlier is, is the, the, the X's and and O's are really your, you know, DNA in football. So my question to you would be is even though we all could kind of see it, what do you think tangibly was the difference? Because if you look, if, if you just really just verbalize it out loud, the West Coast, California specifically, Florida, um, you know, when, when Texas eventually, uh, you, know, is, you know, stops worrying about, you know, telling women what to do and they, they worry about getting onto a football field <laughs> with no pads and full contact, then we could talk about that. But, but the, the type of athlete that you guys have out there in Nevada you know, especially because a lot of the youth leagues are, are, are 365 all year. Some of those guys getting trained for the next level, you know, in, in, in the young, you know, youth and, 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 you know, middle school and high school football, they, they have literally more time to work on their craft. There would, there would be a perception, a blind perception that, you know, West coast football should, should at least be comparable to New Jersey. If you look at the talent pool and, and the success of, of, collegiate teams and 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 farming to the pros we also talk to a lot of your guys after the snow tribe game and you guys have a lot of former pros uh a couple on the offensive line i think there was a couple of other uh position players that you guys were saying that were either you know there against no tribe or were going to make their debut in the playoffs against bic the next week what do you think tangibly is the difference? Is is there is it the speed of like for instance a, a Sterry Codrington and a Shanti Worthy? Is it the the experience, or is there something else that you think separates the teams from New Jersey, which don't necessarily have the the NFL, you know, pedigree, don't necessarily have you know D one players all over the place, but still at the highest level of our sport were able to show that against the team that did bring NFLers, did bring a lot of football pedigree, just seemed to outclass them almost from the the rip. Yeah, so, and thank you for bringing that together because you touched on exactly the topic that I wanted to touch on for for this podcast. So we'll start with the tangibles for Vegas. It, It was experience, number one. Well, I'll take that back. Experience, number two aggression number one the our guys were waiting for the game to come to them bic was taking the game to the force it it was just a completely different mindset our guys were drop step uh pass blocking on every down whether it was a run block or not because they were trying to catch somebody instead of imposing their will on the guy in front of them their bodies were not in the right position they weren't they didn't have the ability to get coached up to beat them at their game in the game. And I want to touch on the X's and O's comments. I am not an X and O guy for any of the teams in Las Vegas. Currently, I am literally operating the division, operating the league. I give them some pointers 
if they ask me questions, if they come to me and ask, what should we do in this, in this uh, position? Is there anything you can see on the field? I'm happy to give them that advice. But like Matt, I also have to remain agnostic because any help I give to one team in my division, I have to turn on and give to the other team in my division or I'm not being a good owner. Right. So and let, I, but let me be clear. This was not, this was not a slight against you because I no, do know that it didn't it's take it that way for the, for the fans listening home that you're not to blame for, for the, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, hang on. Let, let, let me go on. Let me go further on. So for the snow tribe game, what the GM of the force asked me to do was to get up in the booth and look at the look at the game from a defensive and offensive coordinator standpoint and let them know, radio down to them, what I was seeing, how they could best attack. It was our plan to have me do that against BIC. But the league and the the setup out there was such that I had to be on the field holding a flag marker for half the game and couldn't contribute in that regard because there wasn't enough staff that day for the game. So one of the things that we are going to make sure moving forward is that all of those things are taken care of and we have the right personnel out there. Our GM for the force couldn't make the trip because he had a family trip planned months before and was locked in. So now I had to act the acting GM for the force because their GM wasn't available. So there's a lot of things that didn't work out our way. So that covers that. If you guys want to talk about that part, we can, but I wanted to touch base on the Vegas talent level versus the rest of the country. So my primary thing with, and the primary reason why I got involved with football at this level was to try to bring Vegas together for football. Vegas is, we're a mess. We we are probably the messiest city when it comes to uh, semi-pro or minor league football. Like I've never seen anything that's, in such a shambles that there was times when it was really, really good, let's say 10, 20 years ago. And now it's like crabs in a barrel. Every league is trying to do better than the other league and pulling each other down and not supporting one another up until last season when we all came together with the guys that I met and I started reaching out to every single league that was around town. Like, how can I help you? What support do you need from me? What do you need in the, in the way of players? Do you have players that are looking to get uh, some developmental stuff done? Can we have them come to, to our league and spend some time with us so we can coach them up and send them back to you? Having those types of conversations, sharing fields, sharing practice fields, sharing game day fields, sharing equipment, all of those things I brought to Las Vegas with the mentality that I am going to raise the bar in Las Vegas football and bring everyone together. So instead of operating against each other we're operating together to elevate our entire city when it comes to football and all sports but starting with football because that's where i'm at right now that's the thing about las vegas sports there's huge gaps in public understanding and national understanding of of the city there's unlv then you have this huge leap after Tarkanian, and then you have the Golden Knights. Then you have the Raiders. Now you have a possible NBA franchise. The Oakland A's are trying to make a move there, or someone's going to try to make a move in the Vegas to play baseball. Vegas, for the longest period of time, was known as a combat sports city. It is known as a – you don't know many people born and raised in Las Vegas. You know of people who moved to Las Vegas. Las Vegas – much like major portions of Florida, are places you move to, not places you come from. And when you hear about the level of athletes coming out of there, 
it is a little surprising. But then again, you look at some of the major sports meccas in the country. New York's not a huge basketball city anymore that it used to be. More families are moving into the suburbs. There's more AAU camps happening around the country. IMG Academy, all of these prep schools are starting to pick up kids across the country. So you start to reason with yourself that that makes sense. And then when you see these guys, when you see an RTC or you see a Curtis Jones, you have, you, you're astonished, not because they're good, but because like Vegas can pl really play ball and they're playing against Southern California, which is a hotbed for high school football, for college football, for all these things. What's in your mission is to raise up the level of football in the state and in the city. How does it feel knowing your first year in the league, your guys were able to withstand Los Angeles that not only had a, you know, with the San Diego division in, in 2021 and now, you know, the ACE is coming over being, being able to stand at that level, win the division championship with a team that has a city more known for football, more known for developing athletes and made it to the final four a year ago, even though they got clapped, they still found a way to make it to the final four and still won games out West. That's got to make you feel good no matter what. And that's got to make you feel positive as a division owner that you made the right call and you made the right first step in this investment. And we know that Boston will be joining us next season. There's rumors of other expansion. But if you were a potential investor in the league as an owner of the league itself or a potential division owner, Yours, much like the Vegas Golden Knights, are kind of the model to follow right now. And you can make the same argument for our friends over in Cincinnati because you guys are developing the athletes you have and the guys that are on the, uh, the, the elite players in your division can match up with some of the higher level players in the division that have been playing this game since it was incepted. I agree wholeheartedly, Matt. My, my only thing I want to put poke a hole in real quick from what you said is Vegas has not done a good job developing guys. We we're like a farm team for every other major city that wants to have a Vegas star. Vegas stars don't stay home and play. It we the thing the thing that you'll if you stop and think about what Vegas football is, like legitimately we have three perennial top 25 national high school teams Every year, Gorman number one, one back-to-back -back championships with Tate Martell with Tony San when Tony Sanchez was the coach, right? Desert Pines top twenty-five almost every year, and then Arborview and Liberty all both. I guess there's four that bounce in between the top twenty-five on a national level, but then you have UNLV who hasn't cracked cracked the top twenty-five in twenty years as a football program. We don't do a good job keeping all of that talent in Las Vegas, if you were to take the graduating seniors from those four teams and put them on one college football team every year, they should be a top 25 team because all you're doing is bringing guys from top 25 programs to those teams. We don't well, recruit well. You're preaching, you're, you're preaching to the choir over here for me and Matt. We live in New Jersey. And just a uh, obvious little side note and to stay on brand, when I was a senior in high school, the Piscataway Chiefs, a team that I played against, in 2004 had Malcolm Jenkins, a guy you might've heard of. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Anthony Davis, who was a seven-year starter for at tackle for the San Francisco 49ers, I believe. Okay. And Kyle Wilson, who went to Boise State and then later, unfortunately, drafted by the Jets. Um, <laughs> uh, I remember he was the one who proposed to his girlfriend after the game, right? After no, that was that was the, that was Ian Johnson, the running oh. back. Kyle oh, Wilson right. was. Kyle Wilson, I did. I think he did play both ways at Boise State, but he was mostly a corner. And then he was a first-round draft pick for the Jets, which you know was the worst thing that probably ever happened to him. Um, but but that was a that was one that was one New Jersey high school team in 2004. And guess what? None of those guys went to Rutgers. None of these guys will ever go to Rutgers. And we feel your pain on that uh, UNLV point. And here's a, here's a question for you guys. In a hypothetical situation, if the market was the market of another pro sports league and there were annual contracts or, or you know, con- traditional contracts, traditional sports contracts, do you see the same effect that New Jersey and, and Nevada and other, you know, major metro hubs that lose out to the SEC, that lose out to the Big 12? Do you see that happening in an open market? Will there be players who want to leave New Jersey and go to Vegas or go to go to Tampa or go to Los Angeles or try to maybe go up to Boston? Like there's if that was a situation, Derek, as an owner, and this was a situation where each market where a hypothetical in a hypothet- rate, yeah, in a hypothetical situation, do you think that we would see the same results we've seen the last few years with New Jersey remaining dominant. Because we asked the same question to Sterry Codrington last week. Will this be the last time we see two New Jersey teams playing the championship? But what happens if there's a situation that there's only one team in New Jersey, there's only one team in Maryland, there's only one team in Las Vegas, and you have this league to where everything's wide open, it's the best playing the best. Do you think that we would see New Jersey and Maryland maintain the top spot? Do you think people would stay home? Or do you think you and what you guys are doing in Las Vegas could attract them out there? And do you think the system you have in place with coaches, with a GM, with a traditional structure would help you more in that situation? Or when you're dealing with a Sterry Codrington or a Shante Worthy or a Quattro Huff and Kareem Moon, these veterans who have basically created the game or have been molded in this style of play would be able to adapt to a system like that. Uh, I don't want to take away anything from BIC and Patterson, you and what they've been able to accomplish. And I will say that probably the first year that we would go to a, what you described an all-star format of some sort where it's the best, the best one team from each area, Vegas would compete. I don't think we'd be in the championship the first season. But by God, the second season, I, I we'd have a we. It, it would be very hard to uh, say that we wouldn't not only be in the championship but win one. I, I I have the utmost faith in my coaching capabilities and my organiz, organizing capabilities. And if I get the opportunity to be a head coach GM split scenario, and I bring in my assist my assistant head coaches or or however we do that, and we run a program the way I know a program needs to be run. I, I and if the other teams don't follow suit and make sure they get their own head coach and GM and just do the backyard brand they've been doing and rolling off the couch and just playing 
on Sundays and not practicing what is what I heard Sterry say on, on the last podcast, they will get absolutely waxed. There will be no way that anyone would be able to compete with a team that is practicing two and three and four times a week, going to the gym together, doing all the things that a real football team is supposed to do. And against a bunch of guys, they're rolling off the couch. It just, it, it wouldn't be fair to them at that point. But, well, let's just do it then. I think Matt, let's just do it. Uh, Derek, we have no, we have no power. Hypothetical, here. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm a schmuck with glasses. Right. But I'm saying we can do whatever we want, at least in, in the confines of this podcast. So let's just do it for right. fake right now. Obviously we can't do it for real. We don't have those types of powers. Maybe Matt does. He's just, he's just kind to me. So he doesn't, he doesn't flaunt that in my face. Like Rob flaunts his two championship rings. But, <laughs> but we're right now giving the, you the hypothetical for fake GM position for the Vegas Degenerates. And you guys, uh, you can use the FanDuel logo and get some extra, you know, whatever. The, the marketing and branding, I'll leave up to you. But yep. I, I just kind of like just get, get a nice little, you know, zinger question that might uh, raise some eyebrows on both sides of the country. Let's just start like a hypothetical draft. You're the GM. You've got, you've got five picks in the top 50. In the top 50, how many guys from your Vegas division would break that top 50? And then what do you think the best player in your division or, or, or who's, the, who's the guy who would be drafted the highest in your Vegas div- division based on what you've seen from them at least uh, in, in the, the inaugural season of uh, A7FL Nevada? Right, so let me, let me be clear. Am, am I coaching and give it and get getting yeah. these guys underneath my wing and able to? Well, what you're what I'm saying is, is hypothetically what you're able to do since you're going to be responsible for, you know, the the success of this hypothetical for fake team. We're giving you an option, and eventually, and you know, obviously, there's other you know fake you know hypothetical people as well, but we're giving you the option to draft from the entire pool from the entire country. That means that you can get. Guys from New Jersey, like Sterry Cowdrington. Guys from uh, Florida, like Mark Bagway or Deontay Henderson, I think his name was, the yep. linebacker. You, you, you could even go into California if you really wanted to run it back because the RTC was taken and get a Billy Millard. So what I'm saying is, is that we're, I'm giving you the power now. And, and going with what you said, I 100% agree. Um, I think that any team that wants a chance, if this hypothetical situation were to happen, better prepare as best they can because there's a lot of great athletes in here. And once the talent levels equal, you know, the, the scheme and, 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 and the, 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 the chemistry and camaraderie of a football team will probably be the difference makers when it's that competitive. But back to our hypothetical example, example, how many Vegas guys break the top 50 players for a seven FL 2022. And who's the guy that you think, would be the first Vegas player taken off the board if there was some hypothetical for fake Derek Duncan is owner and GM of the Vegas Degenerates draft. All right, so for, first of all, because I don't want to gloss over this, if I get a chance to take one guy number one, it's going to be Sterry. Really? Over everyone else. Over everyone else, Ashanti included. And I say Sterry because the dude has a football mind like Corey's, like mine. He knows oh, how to look. He, he knows how to st- sit behind the center, look at what the defense looks like, and then dissect them. I saw him step up to the line and whisper things into the ears of his linemen on every single play against the force. 
because he knew what they were trying to do. I'll say we were trying to do based on the, the alignment and based on the film or whatever he was watching that would get them out of position so he could work his will. And all, and not to sell him short, the primary thing they were doing is making sure they got us in the man, making sure everybody's back was turned and then Stary would take off and, and nobody had the wheels to catch up to him because our DBs were playing deep in the corners, right? Our DBs, the only guys that had that kind of speed. So Stary's brain, remove his arm and legs and what he's able to do to a team with that. The, the fact that he was able to dissect everyone with his brain is the reason I take him number one along with his other tangibles. Right. Okay. But, quick, quick aside to that, leg, and a quick aside, leg, I get the legs. Can I just, can I, can I purchase these or these? You get a knee. For sale? You get, you get his right knee. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to need more than me. I'm going to need some ligaments. I'm going to need the cleats. I'm probably going to need the same surgery that Kyle Broflowski got. No, I'm ah, ah, ah. Anyway, anyway, we're going back. A bunch going back. All right. Quick Sorry. Aside. I just wanted okay. to add a little bit of my, uh, you know, my ego to this little conversation, but then we're, we're back at it. Okay. So Sterry Codrington's first. Now let's say Quattro Huff is taken second. Buck is taken third. Mark Bagway's taken fourth. Ashanti Worthy is taken fifth. The Vegas Degenerates. Who do they take? Yeah, so After I'm glad. Those guys I, I, are off the board. Yeah, I'm happy you set it up that way. But even if they weren't there, the, my number two pick, if I just got to get the next guy in the league, is going to be Trey Robinson out of Las Vegas. Interesting. And, and you guys, and you guys have no, you guys have no idea who he is. You've never seen him on TV, but. And, and Trey actually works for me in my day job now. That's how much I think of this young man. He he, wow. literally the fastest person I've ever seen on a football field and has a great arm and great decision-making and just so happens to have passed, uh, I think he's number 11 in Philadelphia for single-game rushing with 407 yards over Shady McCoy. That's the type of athlete we're talking about. He was an ESPN top 100 coming out of high school, played for Mizzou for two years, got hurt, went to the NFL after he came out of that and played for the Bucks for a, for one season. Not the, not the Bucks, excuse me, the, uh, the uh, Cardinals for a season. Doesn't have the best ability to dissect an offense or a defense, but him as a slot receiver with a guy like Sterry at quarterback, I, I, you think – Stary and Ashanti were good together. Those two might be able to compete at an NFL level. That that's how okay, so just, good both. Just those repeat guys the are name for myself and others. Trey Robinson. Trey Robinson. All right. Yes. He's, and, he's on the radar. I mean, he's on the radar. I, I want to. He, he plays for the Force. No, he plays for the Pit Bosses. Uh, okay. He, 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 he ended up. Play, Derek, he ended up told. playing quarterback for them this year because their quarterback, Daryl Moore, who was a D one quarterback for Navy before he got hurt got hurt the very the second game of the season and was out for the rest of the season. So Trey stepped in, played quarterback, did a fantastic job. Him and Keenan kind of flipped back and forth when Keenan was available. And, uh, yeah, so go ahead. You had other questions. Well, my question was, uh, Ryan DePaul, the the, uh, the uh, initial founder and uh, co-owner of this league, I don't know his official title. Uh, you know, I, I, just, I just talk all the time. President, yes, president. He, da he's dad dude. <laughs> so so yes and ryan is that dude yes. but he told me he told me preseason he was like yo i think this i think this team pit bosses they're, they're talking a lot of heat they're they're saying they're gonna run the table and they're gonna win the whole chip 
first year. Uh, is that am I right in 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 remembering that? Is that that was the team that came in really confident that they were going to be able to to own this league from the jump? Uh, you're you're close. What what actually happened is the pit bosses started out their season one and two. They uh, won a game against the Insomniacs, making them two and two. And from that point, Coach Anthony Bartley said, "We are going to run the table. We finally have we finally have our stuff together. Everyone's finally healthy. We are going to run the table." And that caused a wave of drama and conversations throughout Vegas because the force were the force of the force. They were the class of the league at that point. They had only lost one game, and the vibe were still undefeated at the time, right? So for the pit bosses to say they're going to run the table and they had the vibe on the calendar next, we're like. Okay, you're talking big. Let's see it happen. And they went down to California, and uh, I think they beat the vibe that game, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, they were up by two scores with 47 seconds left and pulled a Tampa Bay Nightcrawler. Oof. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now, now to, pull this, to, to, to go full Nightcrawler, you do have to dance. Yes. Before they're zeros. So did, do you know if they danced or not? Because – that's that that's my main criteria because there's a lot of teams that lose games right yeah we we all know that the atlanta falcons are the atlanta falcons because they atlanta falcons that's a verb right but <laughs> but tonight crawler is to not only lose and have somebody come from behind but to be dancing i think that's that's my main caveat so um getting back to getting back to our our, our hypothetical draft because i you know i think this is a really great way to get introduced to some of the players that not only, you know, guys that are, you know, very, very localized to their own division, focusing on the teams that they're trying to play, watching the film of the opponents that they're going to have to beat. I think our fans also want to have a little bit more of at least a, an awareness of some of what's going on over there. So getting back to our fake draft, who else do you, who else do you think that if, if we're just, we're just stopping a line at, you know, like a, like a, like a BS line, I think we can't curse on this, by the way, Derek. So if you, if you feel so so moved, you're allowed. But but we have this BS line of 50. How many more guys do you think from the Vegas division, not just you saying that you believe in them, but just based on their talent level, you know, not only should, you know, the fans be aware of, but, you know, players in this league say, like, look, this is one of the guys that's going to be. I'd say an easy 10 or 12. To be to be frank, I mean, the, what you guys saw out of Vegas was raw talent trying to be organized, but without experience, right? So you guys didn't get to see what these guys would look like playing seven or eight years at this brand of football and understanding the nuance of the brand. It's it's not the same. And if you guys go back and look at some of the uh, places where Vegas fell down, for the most part, uh, the special teams w- was awful. I've never seen a single team in Las Vegas practice special teams yet. They just kind of you just said, you know what? We got enough athletes. We got enough, enough athleticism. We'll be fine. You know, Pac-Man was running rough shot over, over guys in Vegas on, on, a, on the throwoffs and returning kicks. Trey was running rough shot, returning kicks. But when it came time to play guys who have experience in that, you know, they got maybe 35, 40 yard line. And that was all they could muster because they didn't practice it. They, they, the throw-offs and trying to stop Ashanti Worthy. They had him wrapped up, and the guy didn't 
go down and form tackle and he got trucked as a result. Just things that if you're not practicing, you're going to lose that every time when you come up against an elite athlete like they did when they went up against guys like that. So given these guys the experience, I got at least 12 guys in Vegas that played in the last three seasons that I would put in the top 50 of the league. And to, to speak to the hypothetical, the, I'm excited to see what the Vegas talent does next season. But I think one key addition, the two key additions to the force, if they were to make a statement next year, is add encourage Mosey as a tight end and having that Sterry or Bagway level athlete as a quarterback. Because you have RTC, you have that first run option. But to have a veteran mind like a Courage Mosey or yeah. or a Sterry Codrington or even a Mark Bagway, who's an unbelievable athlete, a next level athlete, or even like a Rokeem Shaney, OG Buck with those weapons at his disposal, that could be a game changer. And I think- let me just jump in real quick. You guys, Mark Bagway is an amazing athlete, but his fall down also was very little A7 experience. The reason they let a game go is because they didn't have the knowledge on how to hold a game going in. I, I, I And I just want to say, I don't want you, I, I know Rock, the quarterback of the force, has caught a lot of vitriol from, from all of our broadcast crews and people have been vacillating over whether he should be the quarterback of the force or not. And I will tell you, I will put that guy up against virtually anybody in this league, given the right preparation. Rock is an absolute beast. He just wasn't prepared enough for what he faced that day. He he's not a fast guy, but he's faster than Corey. He's not. He's a. He, he's got a great arm, great awareness, but he's used to having a clean pocket in front of him and the type of defensive pressure he was getting in his face that day. He was not ready for it. And what I saw other guys in this league do to quell that pressure, he was not prepared to be able to do that and still throw the ball. If you watch Huff play, every time he gets the ball in his hand, he steps forward for just a second to give someone the element that he's going to run. And Rock, when he says hike, he leans back, and everybody's got their ears pinned right after him. And I tried to get him to change that mid-game because I saw that it was happening, and and, and he couldn't get it in his head because he needs to practice that to get the muscle memory going. it's just one of those things, man. It, once you get an opportunity to see it live and you get got a chance to coach it up, you get better. We haven't had that opportunity yet. And, and but for me, just I no no slight on Rock. He he helped carry that team in the early going. I just love the idea of putting some of these quarterbacks we've seen confined to their geography and yeah. being able to put them like an Alex Verardi playing on a Vegas turf in that heat, <laughs> the man may go berserker mode. If you, yeah. if you, if you played halo yeah. and you got double kill, triple two, he would get kill taculars in game. <laughs> yeah. Because as it got warmer outside, he got better. You sure you're not talking about John Columbia, who I call Master Chief? Well, you're Master Chief, him Columbia. too. But just it was just like the no, amount joking, of work joking. he put in in that championship game. And if you can put guys in the elements that might suit them best, you know who would be – if you were looking at the defense, Corey or a Corey Price behind center or in the secondary for Vegas, to have an established veteran 
on that team that can say, hey, I have been to the chip in this league. I have been to a final four in this league. I have taken this my team as far as I can take them. And you have that same level of talent and you have that same t- level of raw athleticism. That's the thing about a, a, a reboot, a reset, like these hypothetical situations we talk about that gets me excited because then it's anybody's ball game. Right. I spoke with David Meltzer, the owner of the Los Angeles division on his TikTok right before the start of the season. And he predicted the aces were going to go all the way. And I love, I love that level of enthusiasm, but I love your level of pragmatism, Derek. I I love it because it shows, you know, this game and, and and tell me about how you found the a seven at them. Tell me how you got (laughs) where you wanted to get here. And, and, if whether or not me and Corey are to blame or do we need, do we get a muffin basket? Like just, you know, just, just for our own egos and edification. Uh, you're not going to like this. I, I found the league by being on Facebook one night and the start engine campaign came across my feed at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it, it, without my wife's permission, I invested in the league and dropped, I think it was 5k as an investment because it got me to a certain tier where I was going to be able to get a few extra bonuses with it, the way it was set up, whatever it was. But with that, I told whomever that was receiving that information, I'm investing now, but I'm doing so because I want a team. So that's how I came to know about A7. It popped up. I saw the sizzle reel, went in onto YouTube, watched a couple clips and went, God, this is an exciting brand of football. And it's so different from the NFL and with all of the negativity that's coming from the NFL right now with everything that they're dealing with, this could be the option that everyone transfers to because it is a better looking game because you can see the emotions of the players. And if the, if it's done right and we're working towards getting it done, right, would be a better product on field with the right players in in the league. And so I saw that vision and I said, I have to invest in this. So it it there there was one time in the history of humanity that scrolling Facebook at three a.m. produced something positive. Right. That, so the, that to me is the most that is to me is the most amazing part of the story that you said. All of the other stuff is true, and I hundred percent agree with. But at three a.m., something good happened to a human on this planet. Yeah. Scrolling Facebook. That, that's nothing that's ever good happens. That's after a triumph in itself. Right. It's the best. What, thing what about what about what about watching this league and and seeing both the the mix of the the em- emphasizing of the matchup more i think than like a like a like a you know a defensive coordinator can dominate the nfl because his scheme out outwits all of the uh you know offenses that he goes against and and similarly an offensive coordinator could bring in a new offense to the league and make a big in the A7FL, it's it's a lot more me versus you, and we're gonna decide how this ha- happens because there's less people, there's less space, and there's there's more of that emphasis emphasizing uh the one-on-one. Uh, or is it is it the like you mentioned, is it the the personality that is able to be felt and seen through not only the aggressive and action-packed style of play but also the fact that their their faces are you know there for us to see what would it be that that you know made you click that button on on Facebook at 3 a.m it it was a a multitude of factors number one 
the, the personalities, right? Being able to see into the eyes of a guy on the field when he's talking, turning his head and talking to the guy next to him. Like, it's a lot better for me as a football fan to to see the body language of a guy and understand what I, I figure he might want to do, right? I'm Every time I'm watching a football game, unfortunately, I'm dissecting it as if I'm the OC or the DC. It's how I watch football. I, it's not on purpose. It's just what I do and how I get the most entertainment from it. So when I can see a guy's head motion and how he turns his body and what and that he's mouthing something, you don't get that with helmets on. And so that was the initial thing that I saw most. And then the tackling. I absolutely love that we are form tackle, rap tackle. I hate people launching their bodies in the NFL. Every single injury that I've ever seen comes from someone launching their body in the NFL. I wish there was a way to legislate it out of the game, and I think the only way to do it is to remove the helmets and the helmets and pads, which we've done. So those two things together, I went, man, this is the future. It, this is what the what the NFL meant to be before it became what it is, and I want to capitalize on that. And one thing that I think we all can agree on is we all grew up loving the NFL. I am a Giants fan and a Raiders fan and will be a fan until I am shot into my grave out of a cannon. But for me, have you, have you, you've scheduled that? That's <laughs> no, I'm being, I'm a thousand percent serious. I have told my loved ones to pull a Hunter S Thompson, shoot me out of a cannon. When I die, bury me where I land. Um, when you look at the football, that and I'm a football historian. I don't want to get too much into the weeds on all the stupid reading I've done on other leagues and my fandom of the AFL and the original USFL, uh, with you know, very, very, very open exceptions to certain things. <laughs> the NFL, anytime run, anytime there is competition to the NFL, true competition. It is because the game is more exciting, it is more engaging, and there are more personalities, and there are people who can drive the league. The A7FL has those boxes checked. Right. The problem is the AFL was founded by the Foolish Club, which featured multimillionaire oil barons and oil scions, and for every New York Titans, there was a Sonny Werblin able to step in. The USFL was funded by a lot of money till there wasn't any money because of a litany of things. But those two leagues and the world league too existed and gave the NFL pressure on an entertainment front. Right. And if there are, if there is a Mark Cuban like personality out there or someone out there with a love and a passion for football, the way we got it growing up now that's not in the style of play. It is in the over-the-top personalities. It is in the anything can happen at any time. And the insane amount of parody we had growing up until, you know, the 90s expansion and things started leveling off. That is what this league is. Right. That's what I think we all see in the A7FL. And more division owners like you and more investors like you who believe in the growth of the game, who believe in the evolution of the sport to where this is what football should look like in 2022, in 2023. The sport stopped evolving at the elite level 
I would say, at least in terms of the way the game is played, with the advent of the challenge and the instant replay rule, we have not seen that. This is the greatest innovation in professional football in over 20 years. And this is the way the game should eventually be played across all platforms, especially with the throw-off. It's more, it's safer, it's more dynamic, it's better television. And I am the producer of A7FL Games of the Week, so I have a very innate need for every moment of our shows to be exciting and explosive. And the more we grow, the more opportunities you'll be able to hear what's happening on the sideline. You're going to be able to see into the eyes. Like I love, I call it the Willie Brown cam because if you watched NFL films in the 1970s, right. there's that iconic shot of Willie Brown in the Super Bowl catching an interception and just running straight towards the lens. And we have that in the A7FL. We have guys in every division who can pull off that shot every single week. Right. Just to need a little bit of rocket fuel. And, and, for me, Vegas is the perfect step in that. Boston, the right step in the right direction. I hypothetically would love to see this game in, in major college towns. Because to me, if you love a college sports team, the atmosphere of the A7FL is for you. Right. Because these are athletes that you can identify with, you can connect with. Football to me is an adjunct to religion. All sports is an adjunct to religion because it's a tradition we pass down from generation to generation. It is a, a trust between us and something bigger than ourselves. And I think that the A7FL is the perfect place for that, that, that it's a third place because it's a place where you can convene. That's not home. That's not work that you can feel a part of. And I think that the more people that see it, the more times we're on Sports Center, the more times we're able to talk with division owners like you who can evangelize the league and explain things that you want to do with the league or you're doing with the league, that the sky's the limit, in my opinion. Yeah, you, you touched on a lot of things that are the things that we are considering here in Vegas. The one thing you mentioned about the college town thing. Uh, so we haven't had this discussion with very many people, but we are in the process of developing a farm system for Vegas to feed the A7FL and our, and our teams. So uh, down in Arizona, uh, there's an a organization called the AAA. It's the Arizona Athletic Alliance. And they have a 12-team, 11-on-11 outdoor football team, outdoor football league. And those guys all feed to one traveling team that is an indoor football team, uh, the AZ uh, Elite Vipers and the guys from the AZ Elite Vipers that are their best feed to the Jacksonville Sharks, who is a, a, a bigger arena league football team with guys getting paid. It is our goal in Vegas to set up a similar structure and center it around the high schools and get every high school in Vegas to pair up with another high school or stand on their own. And all their graduating seniors that don't get, go play D1 ball, don't get, don't get the looks that they're looking for to come over to our league and develop the pro version of their high school team and keep the tribalism of the different cities intact, right? I know there's a lot of conversation about fantasy. Like if I can have this guy from New Jersey or I can have this guy from Florida, it, our team will be better, which is great. But there's something to be said for homegrown, homegrown talent and keeping guys who are playing 
in your area who you watched on Friday Night Lights. Now you're watching them play on Sundays. And having the fandom that goes around it and those guys getting elevated to an all-star team of your city that goes and play in a pro in a pro version, I am more apt to support that version of it just because I I think that is the best way for us to to hit the moonshot because you will have the fandom of the tribalism like college football, like you talked about. I I feel like there's so many different ways that this league can grow and evolve and change and the opportunity to put the best against the best, no matter what it is to me is the ideal. But when we look ahead for the a seven FL for you as a fan, what are some of the things that you want to see come out of it? And just to talk about how good the football was this year, I can't think of a better playoffs in in pro in pro sport in pro football than the one we had last year in the A seven FL. And I'm speaking with a heavy be- uh, heavy reach of bias, but to me, those playoffs were fucking amazing. They were, but the NFL's playoffs this season were the best I've ever seen from them in 20 years too. So when you have that as a comparison point, it's a little tough because that's the league that everyone's trying to chase. But outside of that, man, our playoffs were absolutely rock solid. Of course, I didn't like seeing the fours getting blown out by 40 or whatever the final score was, but uh, the playoffs were fantastic, especially the final four in the championship game. I think we're getting better across the board. And I want to highlight, you know, Corey and Rob's work because the they made the football sing this year in their analysis even and especially you Derek when you came in and joined us the the ability to explain this game is so important right the ability to appreciate the effort being brought in and you were talking about Sterry being able to communicate with the linemen and communicate to the secondary Let's let's remember the fact that he played sec played defense in college. Right. He played defense in high school. He knows how to play on the other side of the ball. And we've seen him play on the other side of the ball. I think the more specialized this league gets across the board, the better it's going to get. And I think the more specialization you see, you're going to see the level start to rise across every division because you're going to have healthier players, you're going to have more focused players. You're going to have more, you know, more hyper focus on how do you go from play to play to play the, the bet, the coaching in this league that would stand up. We need people like Kenny Stansbury, but we also need coach Mac. We also need the, the different people in the league that understand football. And I think that you look at the game and you just look at the awards this season and you see multiple representatives from Vegas in different categories, Florida, Maryland, uh, obviously a perennial favorite. New Jersey may not run away with every award. I'm looking at the polling results on a7fl.com and they're close. Some of these are very, very close. And some of these have some surprising, you know, people in show and place. And I think that, this league, we're making new fans every day. Whether it's finding us on YouTube, whether finding us on Stadium, finding us on other platforms, this league continues to get better. And now I have to do something because I am Corey Hammond's agent. 
<laughs> unofficial and official. Unofficial and official. Now nah, we, we we signed. I think we sealed that deal last week. I mean, I I I I gave him the the go ahead to make calls. So that's just that's like that's like a a mob boss saying like you need to go talk to him. Like it's it's implied what, what's happening behind the scenes. <laughs> I, I'm ready for it. Let's go. So so I I. Corey Hammond is still currently a member of the of the Jersey Hawks. And we're looking to see what we can get on the open market. As much as I love calling games with Corey, and I can't envision a scenario next season where I don't have him or Big Rob sitting next to me, wherever we're calling games. Having him on the Vegas Force to me, is a winning proposition. You talked about Rock, but we keep talking about having a veteran presence on that team or a veteran's presence in that division. I feel like Corey Hammond with that team not only wins your division, but possibly gets you past a Florida team if you match up or a Cincinnati or Boston team in the playoffs. Yeah, I would go as far as... Well, before you go there... there, (laughs) I'll say... Go ahead. Because I hate to cut you off because I do want you to go. But before you go, I do want to just say this. To, to, let's be clear to, to Rock Briscoe. My personal opinion, and I do respect his game, and I, and I was disparaging on the broadcast because I have to comment on what I'm seeing in real time out of the context of all of the other things that go into it. I will just say this the last time I played BIC, I threw for five touchdowns. I got the Nick Kyle Reese somehow. I don't know why. <laughs> um, yeah, from, from Terminator. Yeah, that Kyle Reese. Right. Um, but I, what I will say about, in my opinion, before you go, and, and I, I, I hope that you got your guys back because, you know, let's face it, you know. I'm probably one of the easiest targets in this league to go after. And, and maybe we'll talk about uh, a, a giveaway in relation to that. But I don't think that if I was on the Vegas force against BIC, that I would have been a difference maker to beat that squad period. The end. I think a, a very, I have a very high opinion of myself. I feel like I, I understand BIC's roster better than, than rock Bristow could have ever have in, in the limited amount of time that he had. I feel like all of the players in that huddle could have benefited from somebody who not only played for, but against BIC ad nauseum throughout my career. But I will say this, to be fair to, to Briscoe, because hopefully he's listening to us and he's a fan of the, bro- the broadcast. I am not on the same level as Matt, because Matt loves me like, like, a, like a father or son, he's never seen me and any of the interceptions he's called for. But I will say that I would not have made the difference in that Vegas game against BIC. Now, I would have thrown for more touchdowns against the Snow Tribe, but I'll let you go, Derek. So let, let, let's take it back to the way I'd like to look at it. If Corey Hammond is on the force the entire season and not just for that game, we might have seen a different championship game. And I say that strictly because Corey or someone of his ilk would have brought the knowledge of A7FL with him and understanding what it feels like and looks like in the trenches, the easy mistakes that are made by teams who don't understand that brand of game and the speed of the game and how it's structured. 
when we were going into our season, I was asking guys like Ryan, hey, do you have a playbook, even if it's just a remedial one that we can look at that has some ideas of what the concepts are and how and and the, whether it be run, pass, or RPO stuff that everyone's trying to run right now? Do you have anything? And Ryan said, yes, I'll get it to you. That getting it to us never occurred. So everyone was forced to try to, no pun intended, to figure it out on their own and figure it out what worked against the the competition that was put in front of them. Having someone like a Corey Hammond or his quality of play and history and understanding would have elevated the gameplay of any team for experience along with what Corey brings to the table, which is a cerebral football mind understanding pass run, understanding how to step up in the pocket, understanding how to shift, move the pocket, those types of things that were not done by the force in that game at all. I'm not against it. I, I think that having, I think we can have a nice negotiating session after the podcast is over and, and, and try to dot some I's and cross some. Well, we gotta, we gotta remember, Matt, we're not actually really talking to the right guy. He's the, he's the owner of the entire league. I think to get in touch directly with the force, you know, we're going to, we're going to get into uh, Derek's uh, contacts in a second. No, I'm just joking. But, but let, me, let me just say this. Uh, and I do, I, I honestly, I really appreciate that. Uh, Derek, that's actually a uh, better praise than I've got from uh, most of the teams that I've even been on in the last couple of years. Well, but, I don't know uh, you like they do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, and, and just, just to be clear, I only do have, the one playoff victory. So, uh, you know, a run to the championship would have been a great, uh, great season for me, but I, I am, uh, I am down 10 pounds uh, league and I am hitting the gym for the first time in almost 20 years. So 2023 for Corey Hammonds, it should hopefully be a little bit better. And if it ends up in Vegas, which I highly doubt because I do have a wife and she probably has something to say about it. Um, <laughs> there, there's there's work for you. Get to work. I need that. If I have options, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, she might actually, she might actually benefit from. Uh, if if my you want to hire Corey Hammond, the the DMs are open on Twitter at Matt Ryan yells. That is at Matt Ryan yells on Twitter. But Derek, before we wrap things up here, thank you for being the first non-player guest and the second non-player person to be on this podcast uh when you look ahead to 2023 what are the three things that excite you the most and the three things you know that are going to surprise you all right so the thing that excites me the most is expansion I, I, you guys don't know this but i am working behind the scenes my own to connect with areas on the west coast to help them develop divisions in Arizona, in Sacramento, in Oregon, in Washington, in Utah, in Colorado, in Idaho, just so we have competition around the West Coast that we have an opportunity to play with. There's massive leagues out there with tons of talent. I've identified division managers in those locations. We just need to find money guys to press the easy button and get that rocket fuel that you're talking about, Matt, to interject and have those team those divisions come on board. So that's one of the things I'm most excited about. Number two is Las Vegas's expansion. We had three teams last season. We have seven going into the fall already, just wow. from guys who were super interested in being a part of what we did. We started out each team this year with maybe 18 to 20 guys. And by the time the season was done, everybody had 35 person rosters or close to, because there were so many people who wanted to get into the action 
And at the same time, those guys were talking to me going, we want a team for next season. How do we do it? And I was like, look, just tell me that you want a team. We'll start setting it up. Let's get a team name going. So now we're up to seven for the fall. Uh, so that's the second thing I'm, I'm excited about. The third is, uh, again, behind the scenes, I'm trying to develop an arena concept that we bring to each of the cities that will be where each of these teams plays because we play in the summer in Las Vegas. It is unfair to every team that comes to Las Vegas to play in this heat. The, <laughs> the, the Santa Monica vibe came up, came up to play the force in Las Vegas and, after about one quarter in, they did not stand a chance. They had a, they they rolled up with thirteen guys, and they were wearing black. And mm. by the time they were done with the first period, those black shirts were white with salt because of the sweat just dripping through them and culminating in salt on their on their jerseys and on their face. It is completely unfair and a big time hometown advantage. But it also you know rolls into what is happening on the East Coast, right? You get, it got super hot for you guys, and if we have a, a indoor facility that we can all play in, in every territory, that means what Corey talked about before, you guys can play in the winter, practice in the winter, bring ca kids camps in for kids in the winter and do the things that are, that a real football league like ours is now wants to do for the communities. So I've developed a little concept around that, that will bring, hopefully bring a stadium to each one of these areas that we all can enjoy. So those are the three things that I am most excited about. Uh, the three things that I know will surprise me, uh, I, I am hopeful that the former San Diego league will return. Uh, I, the fact that we had 20 teams this season, which was less than the season before was a surprise I had last year or this year. I want to be surprised with us showing up with 32 to 40 teams this next season, especially because I'm bringing four more to the table. And I know that each division has been asked to look at having four teams and in eight divisions, that would be 32 teams. I'm looking to be surprised that we end up with more than 32. Uh, the next surprise will be us having a contract with someone like Amazon, Apple, these guys that are giving away $250 million to minor league or not minor league, but major league sports that don't have the fan base that football has. And I think that we are primed to be one of those leagues. And I know that if we just got a $20 million contract, that would be a, life-changing situation for everyone involved with the A7FL and would give us what we need to take us to the next level. The third thing that I hope to be surprised about is a fully funded college football equivalent in Las Vegas that is surrounding A7FL style football. If the second thing happens, I'm going to be drunk for a week. Just putting that out there. But only a week, huh? Oh, well, you know, I got I so much PTO and. Maybe two weeks if I give my notice. But Derek, right. thank you so much <laughs> for joining us. Then, Matt, if you give your notice, you'll have a little bit more than two weeks is what we're really saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, Derek, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm so excited where the league is heading. Uh, I'm so excited to have you guys on board as partners and excited to see where we go next. There's so many things that I, I cannot wait like every day I'm like, is it the start of the next season yet? Cause we're working on so many things right now, the podcast the reboot, you know, show that we're working on that we've talked about um, trying to just expand what we're doing with the media side of things and what's ahead for the league. Uh, Corey, 
has there been this postseason momentum so early before? I, I I can't speak to it. It feels like the league is getting to a point where we may see momentum all the time, especially with potential player movement and things like that we're going to be talking about here on the pod. I don't remember it ever moving this fast. You know, we play full contact, no pads football, and then after the the three or four or five month grind, you know, most of the guys are just sleeping in on that Monday and Tuesday after the season and, and waiting, uh, you know, a full month to go back into the weight room because of the, the toll that it takes on your body and mind to get through a full season. Um, but I think with the reinvigoration of, you know, attention and, you know, the, the, the media arms that are, we're talking about, the behind-the-scenes arms, the, the free agent movement as teams are trying to improve so that they can take that next step like BIC was able to this year. Um, I, I, I cannot specifically remember a time that the A7FL felt more to me like an all-year league. And we used to have fall uh, a fall season that we, you know, kind of used as our pre- uh, preseason. It feels like in a couple of weeks, I better actually decide with you, Matt, like where I'm going to play because, you know, practices are going to start happening. Tryouts even for a lot of these teams that are that are trying to compete with, you know, at the highest level. And you heard what Derek's saying. You know, I've been quiet, more quiet on this podcast than I've ever been because of how, you know, intelligent you guys are both talking about the behind the scenes of how this league is is getting to be a big boy, you know, hair on your chest, drinking shots of whiskey and not feeling it type of league you know on the same level as some of the leagues that you know people are a little bit more familiar with so I think that this was just a great opportunity and and also a great example of you know really what's driving the momentum of this league and it's not only you know idiots with personality like myself shut up but but guys like you Matt you mentioned how you know me and Rob adds to the broadcast you've made this thing official since you showed up day one and then Derek I mean I man i was a little jealous i thought you're gonna take my job coming in but you know I, i'm glad i'm glad you're keeping yourself busy out in vegas with all these other ventures and all these other behind the scenes moves because an idiot like myself is not gonna be able to compete with that well i think honestly Cor- <laughs> to, to be completely honest i think once you're playing days are over this league the sky's the limit with you and all of my oh, dogs. It's so soon. Uh, right. I mean, guys, we're all looking as division owners and owners of this league and supporters of this league to get that rocket fuel that Matt was looking for. And quite frankly, broadcasters, I just heard recently that Sha- Shaquille O'Neal is making more money now than he was as a player, right? So having those deals and the things you get to do when you're on TV and the type of uh, income you could have from being a broadcaster and having sponsorships and being able to be in commercials and us elevating our league to where we are an actual household name it is going to change all of our lives for the better financially but for the worse celebrity wise because you're gonna have to deal with that celebrity <laughs> status well you said you you put you hung up the cleats at around 37 Derek you know a, a lot of misinformed people because of uh the way that I look in my my stature in the pocket uh, have have compared me to Tom Brady wrongfully. I have one playoff win, um, but the reason the reason I think they're saying that is because you know let's just hope that before I turn forty four, 
this league is where you're saying it is, is because I, I'm I'm in I'm in until that moment, guys. That that's why I'm sticking around. <laughs> these, these cleats are still going to get strapped yeah, until someone offers you a hundred thousand dollar a year contract to do broadcasting. You don't know what they know. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> to, to to be complete, Derek, I think we both know. I think we, we. I think you do know that they they haven't offered me that. But I am I fully aware. Until they offer me life changing amount of money, Derek, there's nothing in the world that compares to getting getting onto a field against guys that literally want to. I have. I have actually. I was showing my son this yesterday. I have a. Uh, a huge scar on my neck, a white scar from, you know, a, a, an unnamed defensive lineman from the Immortals fingernail when he chokeslammed me in a playoff game. Um, that, wa- that wasn't, by the way, that wasn't the win that I always talk about. Um, but I, but to, to be able to get on a field against uh, seven men that want to kill you with six other men on your side that are, that are willing to die with you on that field. And, and I, 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 add a little bit of you know too much of the flowery stuff you know nobody's going to die um it's actually safer than the nfl um but but there's nowhere else that i can get that and as long as i can i'm going to be out there so hopefully that rocket fuel kicks in because that rocket fuel you keep talking about guys sounds like money to me and i'm all for yes. money. <laughs> yeah Corey, you, you're obviously uh, under under 40 when you turn 38, 39 and of the light switch that comes on when you're 40 years old, you said nothing feels better than being on the field going against these gladiators. What does feel better than going on the field going against these gladiators is waking up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, not in pain from the game you just played on Sunday. I, what, there's a, that, there's that's a certain true. point. That's true, but, that's true, but for the first time in my A7FL career, I woke up for no reason – not, like on a Thursday after a bye week and my back hurt from sleeping wrong. So I was like, well, I actually have to now work out. And that's where, that's where we're at right now. So, you know, I'm sure rock Briscoe is, is listening to this podcast. Like, yeah, this guy doesn't even work out. I guarantee I can win more games than him, but. <laughs> yeah. So a rock was like, so he, he, he was not in the gym last season. And that was the first thing he said to me when the game was over. He's like, I'm spending this entire off season in the gym. You're going to see somebody different next season for sure. And so y'all, I, I, he's put me on notice to put the rest of you guys on notice. He's going to be a different dude. I'm 218 and, and, and descending. I used to be <laughs> Nice. Good for you, man. And I well, am not, but uh, I want to thank you guys so much. Uh, I cannot wait to see what happens next season. Next week, ne- this week, we'll be back with a second episode on Thursday. And that one will be me, Big Rob, and Corey. We'll be talking about the A7FL Awards. Corey will have a giveaway announcement. And also, we have a giveaway. We'll announce our winner for our initial giveaway on our second episode this week. And that one will be an A7FL hat. You get a free A7FL hat if you leave the best five-star review. You need to write something in the review. You can't do it on Spotify. You have to do it on Apple Podcasts. But if you want to leave us a five-star review on Spotify, tweet us at the A7FL and leave a comment in in quotes with your review. That also works. And we'll be announcing the winner of that on Thursday. So you have up until Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern to get in your reviews for the A7FL three-on-one podcast. And if you haven't liked, commented, and subscribed yet, what are you fucking doing? Please 
like, comment, subscribe, share, leave a rating, rate, review, and subscribe to the three-on-one podcast is what keeps us going. The more listeners we get, the more opportunities we get for advertisers to get that solid gold boat I've been talking about and wishing for so I can drive it out there on Lake Mead and you'll head on over, uh, over to Nevada next year, bring the solid gold boat. Drive that one around, you know, try to see if I can get uh, Mark Davis's uh, barber on the call, see what I can do there, maybe get... Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but every (laughs) Treasure Hunt movie that I remember, gold sinks. We might have to think about that. You know, Corey... I care about the well-being. I can't achieve your dreams. I can't run this. I talk too much already. Ruin mine. Just say 24 karat gilded. You'll be fine. (laughs) That'll save some money too. That right. would, yeah. Just exactly. then we have then we have more left for the rocket fuel. You, you, what are you guys? Are you guys Elon Musk? Are you like like? Are we going to space? No, but I do. I am trying to get him a sponsorship packet. Ooh, <laughs> I that. All right. Well, gonna... well. To be clear, to be clear, I I'm totally against all of the slander about you know the, that that uh that picture of him on a boat where he's like the guy driving the robot Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> love love Elon Musk. That is blasphemy. Right. <laughs> well, I, Matt, first of all, I want to say thank you for saying Nevada right every single time on this broadcast. You were fantastic with it. And as long as we can educate the rest of the league how to be real humans and you and stay my state right, we'll be in good shape. <laughs> and, and and Corey, good both that. Yeah. And I'm sorry Rob wasn't on this thing, man. He, what he brings to this show is just a fantastic energy and knowledge about the history of this league, just like you do, Corey. But from the big man perspective, I love having him on here. So next time I do this, please make sure. Oh, wait, no, Rob did have questions. Uh, Rob did have questions, and I do want to get to those. Okay. Um, Question one, why do y'all suck? And question two, (laughs) how does it feel to go viral the, the wrong way? Comments, Derek. Nice. Okay, thank you. So so going viral the wrong way is amazing. Do you, do you understand what the force is dealing with the entire offseason and how focused they're going to be coming back to play anyone ever after them being the the butt of the joke that is the viral video? Like well, that's the that's the best thing that could have happened to them. Tell, uh, tell those guys, tell those guys specifically that I will do all that I can to make sure that it's the Snow Tribe. That is the butt of all the jokes and not the force who the force handedly beat the week before. Mm. Yeah. That's another shot that I just had to take because I just can't control myself, I guess. Well, and, 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 and ask Rob why he predicted the snow tribe was going to win before he saw us again. And then said, you know what? The force is going to win this game. Like we, they don't suck. They just weren't as good as BIC. So let, let, let's not get it twisted. And ask yourself how many catches Ashanti worthy had against the force. The answer is one. The answer is one. I remember the. I remember the three on one. That's I think what we're talking. Yeah, look, we suck at three on one. So you can say, why do we suck? We've never practiced three on one. We suck at three on one. Everything else, I'll put us up there. Well, I'll tell you what. People can watch film of Ashanti Worthy all day. He does that in New Jersey almost every. He 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 does that on forty percent of the returns. I heard that. That's crazy. I might be. Uh, upping it a little bit or I missed I think it was around that per our game of the week stats brought to you by David Soberman and we're going to have more stats on the show when working with David once we uh, do more video stuff but guys this has been like it's 70 honestly yeah it it, it could be higher but guys you know we have an 100% completion rate on having good fucking episodes 
And this one has been for the record books. Thank you so much. This has been, I think, our longest show yet, if not our second longest show. So anytime we can have a great guest on, Derek, you are welcome anytime to come on the show and chop it up with us. Just let us know when your schedule provides. And as always, we welcome your notes. We welcome your letters. We welcome your rates, your reviews, and your subscriptions. For all of us here at the A7FL, I'm Matt Ryan. Until next time, this has been the 3-on-1 Podcast. Don't be an asshole.